0: hey so hi everyone today we're going to be looking at the geography of brexit and as someone who lives within the european union and actually lives within the uk brexit is an extremely uh, divisive and thought-provoking issue i had to pause then because you really got to give this some some thought how are you going to try and describe brexit but um brexit has been i'm talking to you in august of 2019 and the 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 brexit vote the eu referendum vote was on the 23rd of june 2016 so it's been a long time and i think in the uk whatever side of the brexit um debate you were on whether you want to leave or you want to remain it's been an extremely long 3 years and one that has has definitely seen the UK change um <clears throat> for for uh, one reason or another so in this episode what i wanted to do is just look at the how brexit what brexit looks like in geographical terms over the UK um maybe say something about how we can try and explain brexit and we we're going to be delving into a little bit of social and cultural and economic uh, geography here. So we'll think about you know how the UK is divided by Brexit, some of the background, um, maybe some of the, the potential future ramifications geographically of that fateful Brexit vote of 2016 and how it's still rumbling on today. So maybe the first thing to do is just look at um, some of the background to uh, the geography of Brexit. And we've got to go back really o- over 40 years ago when Britain joined the European Economic Community at the beginning of January, 1973. Um, <clears throat> so and that relationship has, has often been quite rocky uh, and really coming to to a head during the EU referendum of just over three years ago, in that referendum, it was a it was a clear choice to well not maybe not clear let's let's, let's backtrack on that there was a choice it was a, what they call a binary choice to remain inside the European Union or to leave that was the the choice that was on the ballot paper and there was it was uh, quite a high turnout compared to normal voter turnout in u k elections so it was over just over seventy two percent voter turnout and I, I, the result was a surprise for most people whether you were a remainer or a leaver the vote was a surprise it was it was um fifty one point nine percent voted in favor of leaving the european union and the conservative government of theresa may um <clears throat> um a few months after that in in march twenty seventeen invoked what's called article fifty and that's the the process of formally departing withdrawing from the european union um at which point there is a there's a there was a two year um window of time to make that happen but as we now know that didn't happen and at the moment uh we're looking at the 31st of October, as a new potential date of leaving the EU. All right, so let's take a look at some of the explanations that have been put in place for Brexit. And having a look through Geographical magazine of September 2017, there's an article there by Dr Helen Wilson of Durham University. And there's a few different explanations that have come out of that. Um, One of them is the idea of the UK as a divided nation, and geographers often talk traditionally over the last couple of decades or so have talked about the the north south divide in the uk as in the the wealthy south and the the sort of struggling post industrial north but also maybe divided in terms of of other aspects of identity as well so things like a division between urban and rural or uh, wealth and poverty, uh, or young and old. So there's lots of different ways of of looking at the UK as a divided nation and and more on that in a few minutes. Um, There's also been the rise of populism as well. And this is really a a political phenomenon. Um, A a populist politician will align themselves uh, with the people, in inverted commas, um and position themselves against the the metropolitan or the cosmopolitan elite and experts and so on so this this has been done um in the UK in in recent years probably most significantly by Nigel Farage so formerly leader of the uh UK Independence Party and more recently the the Brexit Party um but also by various other politicians as well. Um, Theresa May, in um, several speeches that that she has given, has has brought in some populist rhetoric, and we'll we'll say a little bit more about that later as as well. So we've got the rise of populism, not just confined to the UK, because we've clearly we've got a rise of populism in other parts of Europe, and. Um, and clearly, in the U.S., with the uh, election of Donald Trump as president from twenty sixteen as well. So, uh, other explanations for Brexit is really the the uh, response to globalization, um, the the population that's been left behind um, from a globalizing world. Maybe this is a population that's been that's been most heavily hit. By austerity we 've had um, austeris- austerity politics or policies rather in place um, since around two thousand ten so that has has hit certain sectors of the UK society more heavily than others so you 've got that percentage that feel, feel like they 've been left behind and, and have been left behind um, and then maybe we 've got the idea of an identity crisis in the uk you know what does it mean to be british do people associate more with being british or more you know with english or scottish or welsh whatever it might be um you've you've had devolution in the uk there was a scottish referendum in 2014 the uk is really still coming to terms with itself in this post-colonial era and there are still a few hang-ups from the uh the decline of the British Empire, although that is, is clearly quite historical uh, now, but occasionally still comes, comes back to, um, to be an issue, so maybe most recently with the protests in Hong Kong and you know how Britain really responds to China about that and, and part of that could also be looked at in terms of the decline of uh, the geopolitical status of Britain um it's when set in context of the rise of China and India and and so on the continued superpower dominance of the USA um and you know where Britain fits into that if it's leaving the European Union trying to strike up trade deals with the US and and other countries where where is the UK's role in the uh, the international stage at the moment and Really, finally, I suppose the other element in the mix here is Euroscepticism, which has has infected British politics for for decades. Um, Britain's always had a slightly uneasy, uh, tense relationship with its European partners. So, this idea about uh, you know some of the explanations for Brexit. Um, one of the other things I've I've had a look at is the. Um, London School of Economics blog, the LSE blog, and a really interesting article that written there by um, Lawrence Mackay in 2018. And this one was about regional divisions, and it it makes it a little bit more nuanced than just thinking about a north-south divide in the UK. Um, And in this article, it really, the divisions are based on uh, what's what I call people's sense of influence over decision making in the country as a whole. I'm uh, really looking at who feels left behind and disconnected with politics. And in this blog, there were really three key themes that come through. Um, the first one is London's position as' um, quite different from many other virtually everywhere else in the u k you know london is a is a global city uh global influence and so on um, Londoners it says in the article are uniquely likely to feel influential i 'm talk about being influential having a, a sense of influence over decision making in the country so you know if you 're a londoner that might be you know, you you might feel a little bit like that. The second key theme is that residents of Wales and Scotland are particularly unlikely to feel influential. So disconnected, disenfranchised. Now this may be um, feeding into um, the rise of uh, Scottish nationalism, the rise of Plaid Cymru in, in Wales and, and so on. So the third key theme is uh, this thing about the, the North-South divide. But rather than just a North-South divide, it's the North-East of England that was observed to have the weakest sense of influence over uh, national decision-making, which definitely links in to some of the, the, the data that the... Um, that the results showed, you know, which were the main areas, voting leave and and so on. So the northeast of England definitely comes out high up on that. Geography Ninja. All right, well, let's move on to think about the actual result in the referendum. You know, how can we take a geographical view of that referendum result? Um, <clears throat> and for my source on this, I've used the BBC News website, um, <clears throat> dating to the twenty fourth of June, twenty sixteen, some really good, good graphics on there. But you know, you you can definitely apply a geographical uh, analysis to this. Um, so the first thing is that if you look at the the maps of the UK, showing the the share of the Leave vote, there's a very uh, pronounced divide. So we back to this idea of a divided country. So there's an urban and rural divide if you look at the uh, the share of Leave voters. And specifically, there were, there were nine areas in the UK that got more than 70% of the electorate voting and supporting Leave. Um, so a few examples. Lots of these are in Eastern England, actually. So a couple of examples would be uh, Boston in Lincolnshire that... Um, had seventy five point six percent, and Thurrock in Essex, which had seventy two point three percent. So, um, Eastern England definitely was was quite very high proportion of Leave voters. But also, if you look at the urban and rural more gen more generally areas like London, very uh, very much Remain centres, other big uh, cities too like Bristol and so on. Big Remain centre. So if you look at the Remain share on the map, there's there's a clear division um, in different regions of the UK. So predominantly Scotland, Northern Ireland, and London had a very high Remain vote. And just a few examples of that. Oh, actually, um, one example that was included for the EU referendum was Gibraltar, so UK uh, dependency. In the Mediterranean, uh, off the coast of Spain, which is part of you know the the remnants of the the British Empire, but also, voted in the uh, EU referendum, they voted ninety five point nine percent in favor of Remain, um, as you might have expected to be really high, um, a bit of an anomaly though. But you know other places that had very high uh, levels of Remain vote places in London like Lambeth, uh, just under seventy nine percent. Hackney again, just under seventy nine percent. Foil in Scotland, just over seventy eight percent. So um, I think seven out of ten of the, uh, the the highest remain shares were were in in London. But if you look at the map of the UK overall, um, leave the leave vote came top in nine out of twelve of the UK regions, whereas remain only came top in three out of the twelve u k regions so there was a you know there was a definite uh, surprise i would say to the political establishment with the um the vote to leave so as we said earlier it was just it was fifty two percent leave forty eight percent remain and looking at that regionally you know how did that vote share break down um the southeast of England was pretty much um exactly the same as as the overall UK average, 51.8% leave, 48.2% remain. But it changes significantly when you look at different regions. So you have areas like London, um, 40% leave and 60% remain. West Midlands was the highest uh, single leave area, 59.3% voted to leave, as opposed to 40.7% uh, to remain. In Scotland, it was the other way around. So 38% in Scotland voted leave, 62% voted remain. And this is this had a fairly high voter turnout as well, 72%. And this is based on 30 million voters. Oh, you're not still going on about Brexit, are you? So yeah, I am still going going on about Brexit, because it's one of those issues that just keeps going on and on and on. All right, so the other um, way that we can look at the referendum result is in some of these divisions that we were talking about earlier. Uh, there was a definite division in terms of age, the age demographic <clears throat> in 2016. So there was a the, the younger um, voters generally were much more likely to vote remain and more elderly voters more likely to vote leave. So just a few figures. If you were 18 to 24, uh, that age range, it was um, only 27% for leave, 73% for remain. Um, And that was almost turned around. If you look at the over 65s, it was 60% voted leave and only 40% remain. Um, So... But generally, one the areas with the lower voter turnout tended to have a higher percentage of of younger voters. So there's, there's there was that element. Um, there was also some um, results that you you could analyze in terms of levels of education, and um, twenty eight out of thirty areas with the. Um, with the lowest number of uh, university graduates voted to leave, um, but also in terms of ethnic identity, or you know who what ethnic group you 're identifying with thirty out of thirty areas um, with most people identifying as English ethnicity uh, voted to leave and in both of those um, instances that i've just just mentioned. Um, it's in Eastern England, so East Midlands, Essex, Eastern England type type areas. OK, so, you know, that was looking really at the, the run up to the Brexit vote and, you know, what, what, uh, what that looked like when the results came out. What about now? You know, that was three years ago and now we're in 2019. We're still, the UK is still in the European Union, much to the um to the upset of uh, those who voted to leave britain currently has a new prime minister in boris johnson and uh at present we are potentially on course for what is called a no deal brexit we've had no um, agreement with the european union on what the, the sort of future direction of our relationship is And that has caused quite a lot of um, anxiety um, amongst many, including some people that, that originally voted leave. Um, so positions have become entrenched. And I, I think I've certainly noticed a, a hardening of the debate over the last three years. So um, at, at present, we, we're scheduled for the 31st of October Um to leave, Boris Johnson said, "With or without a deal." Um, what does that mean for for the UK? So, some commentators have suggested, you know, the UK may may not survive this as as a union. Uh, you know, the UK has four four nations within it: England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Uh, can can the UK hold together in the context? Of Brexit. Um, there was a vote for Scottish independence in 2014 um, and there was a vote to remain within the United Kingdom. The Scottish National Party and Nicola Sturgeon have recently, this is as of July 2019, have announced plans they want to hold a second Scottish independence referendum by 2021 um, with the backdrop of exit from the EU. Um, now, what, you know, what does that mean if there's a no deal Brexit? What does that mean for other parts of, of, the, um, of the UK? Uh, so the other place that really we, we need to focus on is Northern Ireland and its land border with the Republic of Ireland. So this is a really essential part of the whole Brexit negotiations um, referred to as the Irish backstop. And this is quite a tricky one because once the UK leaves, if it leaves, once it leaves, who knows? Uh, the European Union, um, that land border then becomes an external border, land border between the United Kingdom and the European Union, in the uh, in the guise of the Republic of Ireland. So the the backstop is really. Uh, it's it's a backup plan if you like that's that's been created uh by the european union it's 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 a deal breaker as far as the EU is concerned who've made it very clear on many occasions that any deal that the uk makes with the European Union must include the backstop and this me this is to ensure that there is the smooth Movement for free, free movement of people and goods and services between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Um, so the backstop is there to 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 make sure that, that free movement continues. Now we what we're talking about here is a three hundred mile border um land border here and since the since 1998 when there was the good friday agreement you've really had this um y- you've had a seamless border to all intents and purposes on the island of ireland and um so i was watching bbc newsnight uh, a few days ago, this, I think it was, it was on the 1st of August 2019, they had Jonathan Powell being interviewed by Emily Maitlis, and Jonathan Powell was the chief British negotiator in Northern Ireland during the time that the Good Friday Agreement was, was signed. Um, and you know, from his point of view, the whole Irish border issue, the, the backstop issue, is, is a major conundrum. And, you know, it is possibly the issue that could derail the whole Brexit process. is certainly proving to be very difficult to sort it out. And there's a number of historical reasons for that. And I think really the, the big historical issue is that this is really the legacy of colonialism. Because if you go back to the beginning of the 20th century... um. There wasn't a Republic of Ireland. Uh, Ireland was part of Britain, part of Great Britain um, at that point. And it wasn't until uh, the First World War, just after the First World War, that there was the, the um, independence struggle. And in the early 1920s, a border was created separating Northern Ireland from the Republic of Ireland. And when I was growing up in the nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties, uh, the the troubles, as they have been referred to, um, in Northern Ireland and actually on into um, England as well and and Great Britain, was a, a, a you know a major problem, a major problem going on. And I, you know, you had over three thousand people lost their lives through those troubles. Because you've got this division of the island, you've got the, um, you know, two different sides. You've got the the, um, the Republicans and the the nationalists on one side who really want to see a united island. And then on the other side, you've got the, um, the unionists and the loyalists who identify more with, with Britain. So, you know, that's the very summarised but historical background to it. Now with the with Britain with the UK voting to leave the European Union, you've automatically then got a major problem. If you suddenly have an external border in the island of, of Ireland, how do you how do you deal with that? Because, you know, either I mean the back the idea of the backstop is that Northern Ireland remains in the single market and the customs union of the, the uh, EU. Um, but if you do that, effectively, you end up with a border down the Irish Sea, so separating Great Britain from Northern Ireland and the, the Republic. Um, if you choose not to do that, and if the, e, if the UK left without a deal... Then how is that going to work? Presumably, it's going to mean that you you have to install a hard border on the um, between Northern Ireland and the Republic, and no one wants to see no one wants to see that because that would presumably that would lead to a, a resumption of the um, of the troubles. So there you have it it's um that's that's geography of brexit number one now I've decided to call this one number one because I think there's, there's so much here um, that I'm going to do a uh, a second one really more looking at uh questions of identity surrounding brexit um, but hopefully what we've we've looked at there you're able to take a very geographical view of brexit and you know really get an idea that the the major regional differences um the idea of of the uk have been actually been a pretty divided nation over the whole brexit issue um now i've tried very hard to keep my my uh my own opinions out of this i try i've tried to keep this as balanced as possible clearly i have got my own opinions and i don't know whether that has come through but um yeah this it changes every day so if I'd done this podcast tomorrow or a week ago or whenever it probably would have come out a little bit different can can uh based on what's going on in in the news but um anyway I hope you've enjoyed it and I will see you for the next one very soon